Hello and welcome to episode 40 of the Ski Instructor Podcast. Uh, I'm Dave Burrows and I'm the director and owner of Snow Pro Ski School based here in Switzerland. Um, episode 40, can't believe I've managed to find 40 interesting people to uh, interview for a start, but uh, I had no idea when I put the first one of these out that it would be, we'd be doing, still. Well, I'd still be doing it 40 episodes later and, and you know, there's no shortage of interesting people to interview so um so yeah it's uh it's fantastic and quite quite the milestone um thank you to all of those that have participated in the podcast so far and and, and you know i've got a big list still of people i can see right in front of me here a huge amount of people that i'd still would like to get in touch with so um uh, so that's that's really really cool um episode 40 brings you the second part of uh the podcast with john arson um in this part we 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 go more in depth into skiing than the first part uh, the first part was sort of more of a sort of personality piece really um but the second part we we talk about the sort of comparison of national skiing systems um we have a bit of a chat again about the uh, the japanese technical champs and, and maybe that'll be the last one unless i find someone who uh knows a bit more about it and can tell me all about it um an insight into uh, nas- the, the mindset of a national team coach, which uh, which came out of a conversation that John had with someone, and um, and then we go you know quite in depth into uh, into sort of skiing technique itself uh, as well. So um, so there's quite a lot of content in this uh, in this second part. Um, now I also received some more correspondence, so I should read those out really. Um, so we've got I got a message from uh, Isla Marsh. Uh, hi Isla, um, hope you're well. Um, hi Dave, I've been tuning into a few episodes of the last few months and enjoying diving into past, present, future stories of ski instructors. Um, just some feedback. We'd love to hear a few more females on the podcast. Um, if you have any up your sleeve, not that I dislike men, I'm a huge fan of men. Um, but uh, definitely would be interesting to hear some cool women on it too. Um, <clears throat> I had some backwards and forwards. Um, I've heard that before, by the way, and I've had some backwards and forwards with either about that because it's not, you know, for the for the want of trying that I haven't, um, you know, it seems to be the majority of men that get interviewed. I just, you know, the, the, the women that I have approached, are not, you know, apart from the ones that you've heard on the podcast, don't seem to be that interested. But secondly, um, it just seems to be... Um, I don't know, kind of, uh, it's just also a question of who I know, but I don't want to, this is the other thing about it, is I don't want to interview women just because they're women. I think that would be patronising. I'm I'm more interested in doing it if they've got an interesting story to sell. So, um, you know, for me, um, you know, by all means, put your hand up and come and be interviewed, but uh, I am working on it. I've got a couple of names that that, that I would really like to... um, uh, get an interview with so that would be cool um i also had a message come in from william myers hi william um hi dave just wanted to say thanks very much for the ski instructor podcast they are they have been brilliant especially with my own teaching and coaching and my own personal performance i uh, really appreciate you doing these thanks again um william works at snow tracks in uh looks like the south coast of the uk so uh so hi william um super cool profile pic on his facebook as well of him skiing in what looks like a dinosaur suit which is pretty cool and lastly hi to max kemplin uh dear dave uh hope uh and no doubt you'll be fully submerged in preparation for the upcoming season uh that is for sure uh max uh, in fact the season once again has crept up on me um 
and I am I still feel like I'm not really prepared I've got paper and bits and pieces everywhere and still trying to sort out stuff so um, yeah uh, despite all the summer prep I'm still nowhere near where I wanted to be um, anyway he goes on to say I uh, just wanted to say share some appreciation for your creation of the Ski Instructor podcast um, he's become a huge fan of the series and uh, I think he's now listened to every episode, which is nice. Thank you. Um, he says, I love the relaxed, flowing nature of the conversations and the varied backgrounds of the guests. The topics covered have been really insightful, especially for the likes of myself being new to the professional side of the industry. Um, <clears throat> the podcast has actually aided me in making a decision to embark on my own ski instructor journey within the French system as a 29-year-old, having been unhappy uh, as a surveyor in London for the last five years. I just moved out to Seche Valley and began my test technique course with the French Snow Sports Academy on Monday. Um, that is really, really cool. Um, and good luck to you in your journey. I, I think I came out to the Alps when I was 30, must be 33 or something like that now. And yeah, uh, you know, I think the sooner you get into things like test technique and, and start going through the system, the better. Because there's no doubt that trying to attain the higher levels of certification in our industry is a bit of a young man's game um i'm not sure what the oldest age to i, I i'm sure someone told me once that the oldest person that ever passed the uss was like 42 or something like that so um maybe maybe a bit older i'm not sure but the, the anyway long story short is yeah it, it helps if you're you know relatively young and fit and uh, and you can kind of limit the injuries that you get as you go you know up the pyramid uh, so to speak. So good luck on your journey, Max, and uh, and I wish you uh, all the best with that. Um, okay, so uh, on we go, uh, straight into this. There's no me in the middle of this one. This is just me and John chatting um, for the second part of the podcast. I hope you enjoy this, and I will be back for episode 41. Uh, see you soon. Let's um, let's talk about skiing for a bit. <laughs> um, yeah, we should get there. We're like one thirteen in. Yeah, yeah, one thirteen. We're doing well. This could be a two-parter, I'd say. The you're well qualified in three different national systems. Yeah. Uh, NZSIA, Swiss Snow Sports, and Basie. I have my own uh, opinions about what I see coming out of those three yep. sort of national systems. But what, as a guy on the inside, what what do you? Should we talk first about similarities, and then maybe differences? I think the differences are quite stylistic, but. What are the similar things? They're all talking about the same thing in different yeah, words, to, right? I mean, Rotation, be, edging, pressure. Yeah. To be fair, uh, about Swiss snow sports, I've converted into it and not gone through mm. the whole thing. And to be fair, about New Zealand, I converted in at level three mm-hmm. in New Zealand, so I've not gone the whole way. Okay. Uh, but I did, I did, uh, I was part of the New Zealand demo team in 2015. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I did, I had more exposure to the New Zealand system and um, 
took more on board there than I ever did from the Swiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but um, like this, I think the there might be some differences from what I see and what I've heard in how the Swiss teach the beginner progression. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's more rotating point where you go and the skis will go there. Um, at yeah. least it was. I don't know. If no, it's I think still. it still is. I still uh, see people teaching that with jumping. And you know, you see them when they do the aeroplane turn. They often do it to the inside. Yeah. Uh, the way an aeroplane would, would actually mm-hmm. do it. <laughs> Whereas in in uh, most of the systems that I'm aware of, which is more than mm. than those three, uh, it would be the, you know you do it to the outside because you want to put some weight on the outside to balance mm. on it. Um, but when it, as you progress up through the levels, it, it all converges. Mm. Like, because it's skis, it's snow, and it's human beings on top. Yeah. Uh, and there are efficient movements and there are inefficient movements. And like, I think all systems, there's no rocket science uh, in it. All systems have figured out what like the efficient movements are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think... As a result, they talk about very similar things. Hmm. Um, yeah, that that's my thinking about that. Then there are uh, different systems can have different templates for, for example, how big a short turn should be. Yes. How often you should make a short turn, like mm-hmm. have, like the the rhythm required. Yeah. For a short turn. And that affects uh, the, like the input movements. Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that if you let let's say that the Swiss um, want a higher tempo short term. What's that? Um, then you don't have the same amount of time to like go into a deep build phase and send the feet out further mm-hmm. to the side yeah. and have the ski pick up more of a carved kind of turn you have to set a higher steering angle and get out of the turn quicker mm-hmm. but uh, when we uh, examine uh, people on the level four and we tell them to do a narrow corridor that's what they have to do mm. because that's what you have to do i mean if you're on a slalom ski and you're comfortable skiing extremely fast down the hill you can kind of carve it still. Yeah. But you, then you're more like looking comfortable at terminal velocity than you are controlling speed. Yeah. And you know, it's very hard looking comfortable at terminal velocity. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe we'll get into some of that later. Um, but uh, it's an incredible skill because, you know, the pressure builds up very quickly and to be able to manage that, that That's might sure. require some different movements as well uh, if you're going... Uh, super fast and still want a high tempo mm. but you know then then this, the corridor is narrower and the center of mass won't deflect across the hill very much um, but I think um, I think a lot of the differences at higher level if you're looking at the, the best skiers in all the different systems uh, it, it's more explained by templates or like 
how often do you need like what should the tempo in the short term be that, okay. ex- that explains a lot and how the view of speed in relation to uh, speed down the hill in relation to how long you allow a turn to be down the hill yeah that has a big effect on it as well if it's okay for a turn to be quite short radius but a long vertical distance yeah yeah if you allow yourself that then you can have quite a different um, set of inputs yeah as well. yeah but if you want more like the semicircle kind of card with a bit more with a bit more deflection of the center of mass across mm. the hill you can, you can probably almost go as fast but it might take you a little bit longer to make it down because you'll be traveling traveling a further distance yeah yeah, yeah. and I suppose that I'm, I'm specifically I'm not thinking about I haven't really looked at any Kiwi skiers for a long time but the specifically with regards to tempo I've got a vision in my mind of what a Swiss snow sports demonstrator would would, would call a short turn. Yeah. And it is a very short arc with a really quick impulse into the snow. Big, like, quick, short arc, big pressure movement. Bam, skis jump to the other side and repeat Mm. quickly, very directly down the four line. Mm Mm-hmm. On a slalom, not much on a slalom, on a slalom ski, ski yeah. trying to st- and and not to be kicked out yeah. by the slalom ski requires tremendous agility. Yeah, it's what they want. That's their sort of um, how would you say that tempo sort of sets their national style for to an example. extent. Because when you if you watch, I agree with everything you said, but I think if you look at the the Swiss demo team, when they are skiing, maybe not in their exams and things, but when they're showing off their skiing, mm. I think the tempo goes down and it's more carved. Yes. More deflection. Yeah. More race. Yeah. Kind of turn. Yeah. Um, well, that, that that really short Swiss turn yeah, but, is but, a, a unique thing to the Swiss. You'd almost call it a short swing, but it's not. Yeah, like the a, Austrians do that as well. They do that a bit. But on, yeah. on a GS ski, typically. Yeah. yeah. I love a GS ski. Yeah. And so then the thing that I always have trouble, or used to always have trouble doing, because you hang around Switzerland too long and you see mm. loads of guys, like good skiers everywhere, razzing down the mountain, you know, doing that ultra short short term Mm -hmm. the thing that you would always then i would always then struggle with when i went to do bayesy short turns Mm -hmm. which are a longer tempo thing yeah you know more vertical lower tempo more vertical distance yeah also um, also wider and a wider cord yeah and so they'd almost feel like if you spend too long in switzerland they'd feel like medium turns and you'd sort of be in the turn waiting 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 it's tough to look tough to look dynamic when you're when you're doing that that when you're waiting that long and you're not yeah, used to it I, yeah then maybe you're going too slow maybe I, certainly, I, I, like, certainly I like to go fast I certainly <laughs> don't feel like I'm doing any waiting even in a like a let's say I would say that the Basy wide corridor is hmm. just for reference if you have people who are not is 
pro- minimum that the skis go a piece basher. Five meters. Yeah, I don't, yeah. However wide that is. Yeah, four or five meters. So yeah. that's the corridor. Yeah, up. That's, that would be the minimum. Then mm. you can go a bit wider. It's but still not quite wide. That's yeah, not, yeah. It's not a short so, turn. Well, like for me, that's a that's a short turn. If you're on an eighteen meter radius, and you don't want to set too much of a steering angle, mm. you need that space. Yes, the habit for if the basic steering, system is to use a longer ski rather yeah. than a slalom ski. But if you if you set a steering angle, then absolutely not. Mm. But if if you're trying to go into it and carve as much as possible. Mm-hmm probably be you know you're not you're not going to leave a clean track in in the work face but if if you do it in to the turn and have a bit of a like a very small new moon kind of shape to the track that's probably what we're looking for but then in order yeah and then and then quite a clean exit as well um then you need that space on an 18. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I and, agree. But as examiners uh, in Bayesi, we look at the equipment people are on. It's sort of recommended to be roughly on an 18. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people do it on a slalom. But then we take that into account. You've got to show it on a slalom, right? Yeah. And, and like it's got to be if yeah, more dynamic. Your, your turn should probably be cleaner than the guys who are on the 18s. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... We also do a narrower corridor, and we examine them on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not. So I wouldn't say that there is a basic short turn. Other than the fact that we do like, like, balance on the outside foot, high, not so much air time in between turns, uh, just so you can, so you can build something and ideally, have the shovel, bend. Yeah. In into the fall line, mm-hmm. and not just full ski bending in the fall line. Yeah, yeah. 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 With um, um, yeah. with your experience of the the Kiwi system, mm-hmm. what 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 do their let's talk about short turns again? Like, what are they what are they looking for? It's very similar to, to Basie. Like, I I find my experience, and you know, I haven't spoken to. Having done a bit in the Canadian system, mm-hmm. haven't spoken to people from the US and New Zealand, Bayesi, the Irish system, it seems to me like the, the English-speaking world is pretty much in agreement. Okay. Um, you know, they can, they can be, they're certainly different, there's different terminology and different, but it seems like from beginner progression up, it's, you know, turn with the lower half, balance with the upper half mm-hmm. um, and then uh, I don't know I people don't listeners don't know that but you, you sent uh, some of the ideas maybe that we you wanted to discuss and mm. and it seemed to me like you had an impression like for me the New Zealand trainer typically skis with quite a wide stance and very square to the direction of travel um looking for a like a dynamic forward movement and like yeah outcomes very similar to basic that's uh, okay so but there are lots of influential 
individual skiers from the southern hemisphere which might have led you to think differently yeah i was gonna i was gonna yeah. do a big sweeping statement uh that, but i think that, i think that's just in, yeah not but do you think that's a couple of individuals experimenting with a narrower stance uh, in the southern hemisphere i like um I'm thinking I, of the usual suspects who kind of promote themselves yeah. on social media. They they are skiing. Yeah, like it's a it's a thing, and it might be just a phase they're going through or whatever. But and it seems to be a southern hemisphere thing that those guys are skiing with a deliberately narrow stance, and mm-hmm. it seems to come out of those um, uh, technical competitions that you see in Japan. Yeah, where. Like it's a very, very unique thing that they're trying to do in those things, but it doesn't look kind of practical in its application um, for skiing in general. I uh, you skiing, trying to do carved turns with your feet that close together. It's, I I, I do think um, uh, it could be. You know, I I filmed with a few of the people you have in mind. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we could say their names, Paul Lorenz and Wiley mm-hmm. McGlashan. Yeah. But they're both Australian, mm-hmm. uh, so they're not New Zealand. <laughs> Sorry, so maybe Zealand. Yeah. guilt by a geographical clo- clo- yeah, adjacency. Yeah. Or yeah. Well, I th- yeah. But anyway, mm-hmm. they, uh, they um, so, uh, you know, I filmed with projected productions with, mm-hmm. with those guys. Uh, met them in Argentina and they uh, at the Interski and they asked if we, a few of us if we wanted to come in. Film the following end of the following northern winter, so we did in Hintertooks. Mm-hmm. And they had already filmed once, and they have a very close stance, and uh, they have a very, very compact transition. Yes. And from what I understood from those weeks, you know, I'm not an APSI like Australian. I seem to recall that they said that what they were doing didn't really relate to what the APSI were doing. So it was just a road they were going down. Yes, and I think a lot, a lot to to score. They were really fascinated by the Japanese tech champs, mm-hmm. and they both run ski schools in Japan. Oh yeah, uh, okay. Both Riley and, and Paul. So they they spent a lot of time there, and I think that that style of skiing is. Um, the one thing you don't see, because as a as a, like a European looking at it, it looks weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, yeah. But one thing that you don't see is how fast they go. It is terminal mm. velocity. Yeah, they yeah. are so fast down the hill. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you, I think, what sta- ski do they do those tech champs on? Uh, they. They ski on slalom skis for short turns, and then they okay. have um, GS skis for the long terms. Right. And then they do some free runs. I don't know if they have like a, a mid uh, something in between, or mm-hmm. if they do the the other stuff on the slaloms. I don't. I don't know. It looks to me like they're doing the bumps on slalom skis. But they they were really keen on on those things. I uh, and they're obviously very influential Australian skiers. Mm. So I don't know if they have change the APSI to go that way or if I misremember but I don't yeah I don't know uh, but uh, I think they really enjoyed that template if you will uh, and you know if you think about if you're going to impress someone on ice you're probably looking like it's hard to carve on ice right to deflect on ice without skidding mm. 
but in Japan the snow is really soft yeah so they're skiing on it's groomed but it's typically very soft so then you need Bending your ski a lot and deflecting a lot and like really shortening the radius of compared to the side cut of the ski. Mm-hmm. It becomes really hard when the surface gives. Yeah. So you got to do something else to impress. Then speed is speed and tempo probably. And that would explain the sort of the high kind of lateral angles that you see, like inclined angles that you see on some of those tech chaps. If the snow, I have no knowledge of. Japanese no. snow. So that, if it's that, soft, that's, that's what it would explain why yeah. you would use a, a quite a close platform. Yeah. You know, and and balance against that power. Oh, like you would yeah. like your skin powder, right? Up yeah. here. Like you would not really want to be using too much uh, separation, lateral separation. Yeah. And if you and haven't you know, got that support to, to from, to, from if, like some of those some of those movements look like they're pure style. Hmm over efficiency or function to me anyway but you know i don't know the surface that they're skiing on but uh um certainly if the snow is soft here in europe let's say you have it snows uh, quite a bit in the afternoon the day before and then they groom it mm-hmm. so they've just groomed really soft snow you're not gonna try to get m- in a short turn, have super high edge angle and go a wide corridor because mm. snow just doesn't it. doesn't allow it. Yeah. So you you try to do something else to impress, and if you want super high tempo, uh, then you need quick tra- transitions, and then a narrow base support is quicker to cross mm. over, uh, in, uh, to move laterally across. Because uh, mm-hmm. they don't cross over, no. <laughs> uh, but uh, to cross that base of support, if it's narrow, it's going to be quicker. Mm-hmm. So that you know, yeah. makes sense from that perspective as well. And then, if the snow gives a lot, it's probably better to be a little softer on it and allow the the outside leg to soften quicker. Mm-hmm. So that so like. A different type of pressure management, with, yeah. which is a little bit um, gentler on the surface. Um, that that's basically what's available, and uh, yeah. So I, I think that yeah, I suppose those two you know, have been certainly yeah. like those two, and they are uh, want to make sure everyone knows they are when you watch it live. It's like holy moly, this is good. Yeah, <laughs> I don't doubt it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, but it's it's clearly quite a different template to what you see here in the Alps. I'm just curious about it, really. I, and I think it's a really, like, it's a very narrow thing. So, it, they, they, you know, you do it, you, you do it, you, you're judged. It's judged mm. points. Yeah. You know, speed is important. You can see why you'd want a soft transition out of the turn because mm. you're not looking for any kind of speed control. So you're not looking to have a hard exit. No. You know, you just want to, you just want to go through, wouldn't you? Yeah. You know? Um so I get it. I totally yeah. get it. But I'm one for me, part of it is I see a lot of that in the southern hemisphere and I'm wondering if that's what you see when you go through you know, the, the the New Zealand ski instructor system or whether in fact they're all talking about the same thing at the highest level and these are just two outliers because they're going down that road. 
Uh, yeah, like, you know, and that's what they're interested in. We're all interested in different things. Yeah. Right? So, um, I, you know, I don't know how with Australia again. I don't know Australia, but I saw none of that in the New Zealand system when I was there. Mm-hmm. I've not been there since 2015, so it, it could be changing. But when I looked at the the demo team, uh, I didn't, and when I, you know, I know some of them, so I see mm-hmm. their skiing on social media I don't see any of, of that I wouldn't call it southern hemisphere I would more call that Japanese yeah but the Japanese were very influenced by the Austrians okay um, they had a bunch of like Richie Berger yeah yeah and uh, what, what were the other two oh, guys uh, yeah, Tony I can't remember yeah like yeah, those best guys. skiers yeah, yeah you know phenomenal um one of my favorite videos. Yeah, I the think bu- it's bumps, just, but uh, that. Yeah, the, good, with, oh, good, yeah. Nah, I don't know. Yeah, but it's got like it everything's fluorescent now. and it's got uh, uh, brilliant is, music skiing, and the skiing's out this world. So good. Um, yeah. On big but, straight skis. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so I, I, they went from what I understood from Andreas Spettel, who uh, is an Austrian, very good skier. Hmm. He was Johannes uh, examiner for the Staatliche. Okay, uh, but he also filmed. He, we we worked together in New Zealand, and he filmed with uh, projected, mm-hmm. and um, he he also has that incredible speed down the hill. Mm. Tempo is high, stance is pretty close, but he does it on a on European surfaces more mm. than so it's a bit harder. So he has much more of a like the the rebound, but he takes it more down the hill yeah. than. Then I like to do. I take it more across the hill, yeah, yeah. Um, and at a much lower level. But but, <laughs> but um, uh, uh, so he he like a lot of Austrians ski super fast down the hill as well. Yeah, um, and the core the tempo is super high. And if you know if you're skiing fast and the tempo is high, you're not gonna deflect as much as mm. if the tempo is a bit lower. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's, uh, I think there's, I think there's a connection f- from Austria to Japan to some of the Australians and you know some New Zealand guys also go and work in in uh, Japan. Mm. Um, um, where it all comes from, uh, who knows? But uh, I think I think in Europe we quite often berate, or it's it becomes it's a little bit. What are they doing? Yeah, yeah, you but, see that. But when you see it, when you oh, see right. it live. Yeah, it is so good what they do. Yeah, I don't want to do it. No, so, so don't get me wrong. But like watching it, it's like oh my god. And yeah. then, but that, that's what um, I followed them a few times. Obviously skiing, mm. and you know they have short impulse. But for me, I'm looking to like almost make a semicircle or. Yeah. Or bend the ski so much that it's even shorter than that without losing speed. That's mm-hmm. sort of one of my ideas that I want to do. Whereas they allow themselves a lot of space down the hill. Yeah. And that's how they, I guess, maintain the speed um, and don't come undone. Yeah. Well, that's part of that. I mean, that, those those Japanese technical comps, although it's a very narrow and specialised road to go down, 
what they're doing for is us it is incredibly <laughs> skillful. Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Them, for them it's a like, for them it's the highest level, right? They're like pros. Yeah, yeah. And they but, have action figures. Yeah. No, yeah, come yeah. on. They have action figures. The the best guy. Are we and missing the like, trick? Like, is no one going to do the, the? They don't. Dave Burrows and John Arson action figures. <laughs> no, but as far as I understand, like the, the guys, the best guys who yeah. win these things. Yeah. I think it's a bit political, but they don't teach. Their uh-huh. job is to it's to be just a technical champs pro. Yeah. No. Yeah. So that's how big it is. It's on TV and stuff. We're in the wrong game here. Well, we couldn't do it. We couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. No. Even if you trained, no. I'd do it. No. 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 Yeah, that's the sad part of that. <laughs> so no, yeah. so I, I, and I should also say I don't know why we have devoted so much time to the Jap. Japanese I, I think it's fascinating, fascinating. I, I just have like some indirect uh, yeah. knowledge from uh, you know I have three four friends who have participated in them yeah um, but none of them are Japanese um, should get one and, uh, I said that should be on my list if you're a Japanese but it, it, technical like, it's, champ skier I want to know more come and come and be on the podcast <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> so so I, I just uh, it's incredibly skillful but mm. At the same time, I don't want to ski that way, uh, and I, I think I can quite confidently say that it is not how ski racers ski. Mm. And for me, you know, you can have whatever view you want of that, but they are the best at making turns. So yeah. for me, that's yeah. would be the natural thing to look for for inspiration for making turns and. Mm. They ski quite differently than that. Yeah. Hence, I don't look to that for my own ski. I experiment with it every mm. once in a while. I certainly, I ski much faster than I used to. Uh, and my stance is narrower. Just because it's not as narrow as theirs is. But I just, you know, when we were there, I just thought everyone looks better than me. And part of that is their stance is narrow so. mm-hmm. and it's hard to narrow your stance mm. to balance on the outside foot well and have leg independence with a narrow stance it's very hard yeah um, so that's interesting yeah. with um okay <laughs> I don't know because so much any of this was on your model sheet yeah, yeah it's good <laughs> it's really good imagine my main question is I'm sitting here thinking I wonder if it would be too rude to have a third muffin no, absolutely. Do you think, or do you judge me if I have a third one? I think you should have a fourth one. No, come on, that's too much. I'm going to lunch. I'm going to be in Martin at one to meet Charlotte. I have no um, need for muffins. No, so don't be shy. No, no, I can't. I can't, I can't they can't all be gone. Yeah, there's two more over there as well. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> They're really good. Talk to me. Um, you had some chats recently with some quite high level ski racing coaches you had a chat with an Austrian guy yeah what came out of that that was interesting to you um yeah how do we uh, you know it, it was a funny story so Johanna my partner she's Austrian mm-hmm. comes from this little village that has produced some good skiers and uh, good coaches um and um, her old race coach is a good friend of the family he's always there and for some reason he really likes me <laughs> uh, 
I don't speak German. He doesn't speak uh, Swedish. Uh, well, he doesn't speak Swedish for sure. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't speak any English either. All right. So I don't know. We sort of communicate somehow. And um, he is a good friend of Marco Pfeiffer, who's now the top. He's the head coach of the men's technical team in Austria. Wow. Uh, so top dog. And he was also. In the past, that's why I knew about him, uh, he was the Swedish head coach. Okay. Um, back when Sweden was good, we had five guys in slalom in the top 20. Mm-hmm. That was him. Okay. And then he left, and now we have no one. <laughs> he's coming uh, back. You know, know, obviously, it's, it's not as simple as that. But, yeah. you know, he coached Hagi, Namir, and Marshall, mm-hmm. and, and those guys. Um, and he's from this little village. Uh, and Johanna's old race coach, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll... We should get you two together because I'm, you know, a bit of a fanboy, mm-hmm. uh, more of a coach than a skier these days. So I got to switch role models, right? Um, and then uh, the next step is having the padded knees in them, and, <laughs> yeah, like exactly. and then you're good. Um, but yeah, so I thought maybe we'd meet for a coffee at uh, Johanna's coach's house or something. Mm-hmm. But Johanna's old race coach Ervin. He invited us to dinner at Marco's house. Oh, wow. <laughs> so we actually had dinner there this summer. I was quite nervous walking there because, you know, never met him and it just seemed a bit random. Yeah. But um, very gracious. Uh, we sat outside in a nice summer evening. Had had um, typical Austrian yaosa, just cured meats and oh, yeah. uh, stuff and beer, football on the telly on the indoors and... <laughs> And we, yeah, so it was really nice. We had uh, we chatted about uh, various things. Yeah, I think like you realize what a different game it is for the World Cup skiers. Mm-hmm. Um, like just managing their bodies is a big thing. They're actually one of, one thing is it seems like they want to move away from the hard surfaces because their bodies wear down so much. The they're not skiing on snow. No. Are they? No, they're not. But they, it seemed like there's talk about not injecting as much. Oh, yeah? Going forward to save their bodies. Um, so he, he, like, he, a lot of his, you know, he's got an experienced team, obviously. Uh, you know, a lot of, I mean, the, these are guys who've only skied. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's what they do. Uh, and they're the best. So... I guess there's only that many hard turns a body can take in, in a life and better make them quality, don't do a, an unnecessary amount. That was one of the things. Uh, and what one, inter- one interesting thing was he, he because um, I asked him what was the difference teaching or coaching the, I can't believe I said teaching, he doesn't teach. <laughs> coaching, uh, coaching the Swedish team versus the Austrian team, and he said the Swedes really good on ice because mm, they grow, you know, grow up on it, but not good when it got bumpy and stuff. So he free skied quite a lot with them, mm. but with the Austrians, he said ninety five percent skates. Oh yeah, yeah. Hmm. Maybe not on the Europa Cup level, but he has the World Cup mm-hmm. guys ninety five percent skates. And it's short, but quality. Yeah, um, that was another thing. You know, you don't think about it. Uh, it's like, oh yeah, yeah well, maybe in New Zealand you can do maybe six, seven runs on the glacier. You do four or five because of the altitude. 
uh, but I guess tired quicker. Mm-hmm. Like all they have, like it's everything is. They've thought of everything. Yeah. Wow. But I, like, I guess uh, you know one thing that we didn't talk about that the Japanese style is for us. We it's very cross undery hmm. type of transition. Like the hip moves down as you're releasing the skis. Mm-hmm. So I asked him what his ideas about that because you see a lot of that in in racing. Uh, you you see them cross under, uh, and Tom and I have always had our ideas about why they do that. Mm-hmm. And so I asked him about it, and as I was talking about the cross under move, he's like, "Yeah, no, no, that's that's a recovery move." Huh. So it's not. That's what he said anyway, and you know why wouldn't you listen to him? Uh, so like why a, would it be? That? So if you're late mm-hmm. um, or if the course is so offset that you're forced to mm-hmm. then you you cross under to, in order to, to bring get, the skis back quicker and transition and to get quicker. them higher on the other side yes yeah but you're not going to be uh, but he said you know you're going to be weak and you're not going to bend the the shovel okay and uh, so it's not as fast. So if you can, don't like, don't ride the outside foot all the way until the ski is flat. Mm-hmm. You gotta get out of the turn on your inside foot. Mm-hmm. And um, so that that wasn't new to me. It was nice to have someone say it to me because that's what we've been talking about with our trainees for. Mm-hmm. For many years, don't cross over. Like, don't if you know you have the outside ski, the leg is quite long in the work phase, mm-hmm. and then you have to like you have to come it has to come back underneath you somehow. And if you allow it to come back, but then when you go to lengthen your legs, if you do that on the outside foot, you get that classic pop, yep. right? Yeah, yeah. And like an up unweighting or a crossover where you unweight the skis, and it's quite easy to pivot them and set the steering angle. Mm. Uh, a lot of like the the typical old school um, short term hmm. would be that kind of thing done, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. And when I raced we talked about vertical work that was a big deal mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't hear anyone talking about that anymore but um, that was in the 80s so <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and the, and the other like extreme option then is is to have the outside ski loaded and you know pressure on the outside foot through the leg mm. and then bend that leg and keep the pressure on the outside foot until the ski is flat mm-hmm. that to me would be cross under yeah and then you have the version in between where you have the outside ski loaded the leg outside leg is long and just as soon as you have direction change yeah central mass you to travel out from the central fall line mm-hmm now it's changed direction it's time to travel back towards the center fall line your skis are pointing across the hill and you sort of have the direction change you look for mm-hmm. then you go on the inside leg and that's when find, you find that sort of the pinky toe edge of the inside ski start to lengthen that leg and pronate the, the yeah, uphill yeah. foot to drive yourself across uh, so you're trying in that situation to get onto the new outside ski 
in the when, old toe. When, yeah, when it's on the old edge. Yeah. So you're pushing up from the little toe, pushing down into it, and as it goes over to the big toe. Yeah, and in as is as you're doing that, mm. you're lengthening the leg as well to make sure that when you come into the new term in what Basie would call the build phase, which I think is a great word for it, mm -hmm. that you're on that ski, but not just on it, you're on uh, top of the boot, if you will, so mm -hmm. that you are mainly balancing on the front edge of the front end of the ski, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that you can get the shovel to not just or so that ski is not just edged, but that it starts to bend a little bit into the fall line. Mm -hmm. So you're not coming into the work face again, basically, but I think that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that when you're coming into the work face, the ski is already a bit bent. Yeah, because then you can. You can shorten the work face, it can be more efficient, and you can get out without looking for that late, deep, late, super high edge angle. Where, when you're building that, this is something that I worked, I picked up last year in, uh, in Zermatt on a Swiss Snow Sports refresher. Mm -hmm. It made a massive difference to my personal scheme because what it did was it blocked the early diving in which is mm. my habit i don't yeah. know where it comes from but it's my habit is to lean in too early and, and then have nowhere to go with so when you you're typically have you have to yeah. angulate a lot to find the outside ski as well yeah yeah i don't have that range of angulation in my hips yeah. anymore but i'm gonna uh listen i'm gonna get up and demonstrate something this is the worst radio <laughs> ever but i'll talk you through it yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you're talking about, so I'm coming around the outside turn here, yeah. that's my old yeah. leg, and you're then starting, your process is to load that up, yeah. roll it in, and then go over that way, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's such bad podcast. At this point where you're transitioning from the old leg to the new, uh, new outside ski, yeah. old inside edge, where are your hips pointing at that point? Pretty square. You're pretty square. Yeah. And this is how you do it. Yeah. Swiss snow sports say yeah. in their thing that this... Depends on the how big the turn is. Yeah, of course depends on what you're doing. Yeah. All of this yeah. is, is interesting though. Because what really helped me last year, so let, let's say you're here. Yeah. The initiator, one of the initiators, Swiss snow sports, is a positive rotation of the hip. Yeah. I know they talk about that. the direction in which you want to go. And the reason why this works, I, I found, well, for me... Mm is what that does is if you've got a positive rotation here but your legs are still going over there uh, yeah your legs are going over into the direction they're they're, they're point they go where they're point pointing yes, yes but you're, they're going towards kind of the deflection still going on from yeah, the old yeah, turn yeah. i've got a positive rotation towards the the new turn yeah you cannot you cannot bend the hip in you cannot early angulate the hip, yeah, right, because you've got this positive rotation, yeah. and then what happens is, is I, like I cannot physically, my hip cannot go that way. It's it, biomechanically, it cannot do that, right, because it's positively rotated into the turn. As my stuff, as my as I go round the turn here, mm. then that movement comes, that 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 
that hip angle there. And what that means is, is that if you have that positive rotation in, it means that you can't, um, you can't put too much angle onto the skis too soon. So for me, my habit, right, used to be early season, I'd just go, wow, and use all of it yeah. at the top of the turn so I'd have nowhere to go. I can't influence the turn at the bottom of the turn. Yeah. Or you might want it as a ski instructor. If you have a positive, like, mm -hmm. hip rotation, and I'm saying this only works for, it works for me, might not work for everybody, but with that positive hip rotation towards the turn, it limits the amount that I can drop the skis over, so it, it, it lengthens the build phase, or turn phase one, or whatever they call yeah. it in Switzerland. And then it gives me more space to operate during the work phase, yeah. the middle phase, or phase two, or whatever. And it really means I can kind of whip yeah. the bottom of the turn really well. Yeah. For me, it works. Yeah. Might not work for everybody, and I'm sure it's not what they're doing on the World Cup. But... That's something that I think is is interesting. Yeah, like for me, um, without having thought about it tons, yeah, uh, I've seen some of the demo team guys talk about that in online videos. Mm. I don't see that they do it when they ski now. Ah, uh, that's interesting. I. You think they're square a lot of the time? Yeah. To me, it's. Like it can certainly be, uh, maybe they think about it a little bit. Uh, it could be maybe that they're coming away from. Uh, uh, yeah, it's working. <laughs> yeah, it's working. Good. Now, it, it, you know, it, to me, it sounds like. Like my initial reaction to it is that sounds like a drill that's trying to block, a movement, mm -hmm. which is excellent. Those drills are great, but it sounds to me like it's an added movement that if you do something else, you don't necessarily need. Yeah, okay. So if you're able to control better if, your own body. So if, if you move your movements further down yeah, yeah. and, you know, towards the sole of your foot, then you feel how far you can go before you abandon that. Mm -hmm. And then you don't go too deep too early anyway without yeah, yeah. adding that rotation uh, of the hip into the turn. I don't know. I haven't, uh, you know, there's these things that you... I saw it um, at some point last season, but I didn't have time to, to try it out. I think it was Kili Bibel. Um, that guy can ski. He can ski, absolutely. <laughs> I just don't see him do it. No, he, uh, when, he looks pretty square a lot of the yeah, time. Yeah, exactly. And, it looks to me like he rolls the ski up with the lower half, sends the feet out, and then, yeah, you know, stacks himself on top of it without that, yeah, uh, that little extra movement. Yeah, and I certainly didn't see like Daniel Yule or, or those guys who are in Zermatt working on that no. movement. Um, so, you know, I, I'm not saying it's, it's not good. I'm not saying that it doesn't work. But it's, my initial thinking is it sounds like a drill that can block your ability to go in mm. too early. And that's great if that works. Uh, but then I would probably try to remove that movement and figure out how to do it lower down. Mm -hmm. uh, but I might be wrong. 
Okay. Let's try it. Are they, what did the World Cup go? So what else came out of that discussion apart um, from the transition stuff? Is there anything else useful that came? Uh, so, any little nuggets that we can get out of the Austrian men's World Cup coach is pretty, uh, pretty useful. Yeah, I think that was the, the big thing. I didn't want to push him too much. You know, he was on holiday. Do you want to pump him for information? No, exactly. I, I felt uh, <laughs> the little I could get. Uh, I, I really wanted to ask him about that one, though. Just because for me, it seems uh, like a misunderstanding or like confirmation bias. If you see someone make a maneuver that you like, mm-hmm. you select that turn and then you look at that turn. And then if you look at other turns, he might not or she might not be making those movements. That's why, I, personally, I prefer looking at free skiing. Because mm. uh, they're forced to do a bunch of crap that they don't want to do when they're, mm-hmm. when they're in gates. Yeah. Unless, you know, sometimes they end up on a on a easy hill um, uh, for a GS race, and then it's very hard to tell the difference between mm. between racers. I uh, think some of the best videos online are, are World Cup skiers free skiing. You see for me, it is. Uh, you get a lot of those on elite skiing. That you see um, sometimes they look. It can look like they're lazy, like they're not trying to do much. But like I said, it looks like magic when you're there live because <laughs> they're bending the ski without without doing all these extreme movements that mm. a lot of us um, ski instructors do to make it look exciting. Yeah, but that's part of our job, mm-hmm. you know. So the, selling the, the, it, yeah. yeah. Um, and yeah, the X racers seem to just do, or the racers when they're free skiing, they do whatever they need to do. Yeah. It's a different thing. No. Like, I think it was Ivica Kostelic who in an interview said, no, but like it's a, a good slalom turn is when you've removed all crap. Mm. And we, uh, ski instructors, add crap to make it look cool. <laughs> no, yeah. it, like there, there was a very, yeah. it was a, quite a well known. Uh, ski instructor there uh, in Zermatt when we were there uh, like online videos okay um, good guy very good skier don't get mm-hmm. me wrong but when he skied down we Tom and I we were doing some lapping then so he skied down towards us and it's like that's really good but his turn radius is longer than the World Cup guys and like, but it looks more extreme. Mm-hmm. Like his hip was almost on the snow, massive amount of angulation and all of that stuff that we see online. And then you look at the World Cup guys; they're, they're bending the ski quicker. Their hip is like at least a foot, a yeah, foot yeah. and a half higher off the ground. And making and making short, short yeah, 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 yeah. So it, it's like, but you know, um, we all have to. Um, like as ski instructors were trying to sell something sell like a dream or something mm-hmm. um, whereas the racists don't care about that no but I find it more for me it's more appealing with, with like that functional minimalism mm. over the ski instructor going all out for hip on the snow and yeah, yeah. and stuff I yeah. used I used to try to do that a lot but I just I moved away from that 
Um, the hip on the snow thing is a, is a trend, isn't it? It's like, I can do this, so I'm going to yeah. video it. But it's, a lot of, it's not that hard to get it on the snow. But getting out with grace is very hard. Yeah, and yeah. You don't see a lot of ski instructors being able to do that. Hmm. You see a lot of, like, overloaded skis in what should be the relief release mm-hmm. phase, like when the skier is... You know, you see, um, and you know, I do that. I, I just, I do that as well because I'm not good enough. But you see, a lot of people actively adding edge after the fall line to get the hip closer to, to the snow. Yeah, that's so you see the, the leg, yeah. the inside leg keeps shortening to really get down there. Mm-hmm. But then it's really hard to get out. Yeah, because because you, you've just added. A bunch of extra pressure that you didn't need. And you're basically telling your ski to carve back up the hill mm. when you should be getting out, getting out, and it just makes it. And then you see like the ski just asking, "What are you doing? What are you doing?" <laughs> and it's like, "Wow, my buckles under the pressure." <laughs> it's true, yeah, yeah. And like the ski will tell you if you just listen to it, the ski will tell you, "We're good here. I'm yeah. done. Mm. Like we're going that way. What do you want?" Mm. Right. So you, you just. And that, but it doesn't look as cool because mm. it looks easier. Yeah. So what are you going to do as a ski instructor? Is you gotta you gotta choose uh, what you go for. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. Yeah, it's true. This um, I want to take you some because you said something earlier, which I think was and we'll I think we might wrap it up after this. This is already in the territory of a two-parter, so oh. it's cool. Sorry. No, I'm, I'm pleased. Johan, I warn you. It saves me. It saves me another month of work. That's tremendous. The um, the you said to me earlier. I think it's fascinating because this is something. I think that when you, I wouldn't say you go beyond technique, but you go beyond. PK talks about it, and he'll talk You're about it in the next technique. No, that's true. You said I'm not that super technique. For me, you, you can say technique. I know what you mean. But you go beyond, um, what did he call it? The uh, something phase, acquired phase. And you, you then go off in whatever direction that you want to go off, whatever interests yeah. you. Yeah. You said something earlier about going straight and you're like, what is the point of this? Is I'm just getting to lifts really, really fast. That's fine. Mm. But then you discovered... The advent of 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 carving, carving skis, skis. Yeah. for you, this sort of pleasure comes from the sensation of being in the turn. That's what I take out of what yeah. what what we've talked about today. Yeah. For you, it's that's what certainly that's part of what skiing is. Probably a lot of what skiing is 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 the feeling. Well, if you look at a lot of skiing up here in Verbier, but uh, <laughs> for me, it's certainly like turning is the thing. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm old-fashioned that way. I realize that. We know. Yeah, we're not talking about just going straight with fast skis, or upside down in the park, or I can't do any of that stuff. It's just a couple of grumpy old dudes. Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. <laughs> and um, I, I, I've told the listeners this before, and you've heard this before. For me, I, I'm now going down a very different road, which is, which is, I, I view the slope, funny enough, like your notepad here, like yeah. a, as a, like a white canvas. And it's for me to put my own painting on that. So I'm going down the hill. That's how I think about it. And I try to work with the terrain to make, oh, what do you call it? Like a, 
yeah, skillful maybe, but start, yeah, use the terrain skillfully and my ability skillfully to match the terrain and use mm. different bits of the terrain yeah. in a stylish way, in an aesthetic way. That's where I'm going. Mm. It's just a tangent I'm off on yeah. at the moment and it works and makes me happy. For you, it's about the sensation of being in the turn. Are you able to describe a little bit more about what that feeling is for you? Um, I think if that's if, your if thing, if you're right? skiing well, like I, me, like the closer you get to carving, the better the sensation. Mm -hmm. um, and if you're skiing well, even if it's steep, even if it's icy. Just pretty easy. Mm -hmm. Like yes, there's pressure, but if you're skiing well, you've timed your movements into the turn well, so you're sort of working along the forces as much as possible. Which is why I don't like late work, because mm -hmm. then, like all of a sudden, if you're loading the ski in the tra in the traverse, that's another G. Yeah. Uh, pretty much immediately. Why why do that? Mm -hmm. so finding like especially when my back went like how can I try to deflect as much as I have been with not being able to cope with the same amount of loads so I gotta yeah, yeah. figure something else yeah. out so that's what I've been working on but uh, I kind of want to say in contrast to to you I, I completely get what you're going with like using rollers and cambers and stuff mm. but for me and something i talk to with my trainees quite a bit is like and if it's choppy and stuff you know it snowed a bit then we're in the afternoon and they're making short turns still hide the surface i want to see one rhythm top to bottom mm -hmm. i don't care if you make a mistake step off make a new turn hide the surface make it look smooth and that might look a little robotic but it's hard yeah it's easy to oh yeah well I ended up here mm -hmm. like no don't end up there be in charge so that you can like prove to me that you can be a metronome yes I was about to say metronome because that's why I think you're going with it I used to be a yeah. mm -hmm. uh, so rhythm is extremely important to me and I like to see my trainees like let's say they're we have this run where we train on a lot where I don't see them when they set off and then I want to see a helmet first, like deflect as they appear over the roller, and then they, you know, get steeper. And mm -hmm. then there's a couple of the rollers with some kinks in them. Just metronome that. Yeah. When you can do that over and over, then you can go and explore. But I need to see that you can do that because uh -huh. that's hard. Yeah. Being free and saying, well, I started over here doing short turns, but down here, all of a sudden, I'm skiing fast long turns. Mm -hmm. It's not. That's not hard. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh, so show to me that you can, that you can stick to one rhythm and one corridor, top to bottom. First of all, you'll pass your exams, doing that, mm -hmm. um, and then you can go and be artistic and and whatever. But that's like before you become a good jazz musician improviser. Mm. You need the, the basic skills. Mm -hmm. And the basic skills include sticking to a rhythm. When you yeah. try to do that within your own skiing, 
So I'm, I'm assuming when you go free skiing, you like to keep that rhythm. Mm. This is just me thinking for you, but you tell me if I've got it wrong. But you like to ski in a rhythm. Yeah. And within, uh, irrespective of the terrain in front of you, which I is mean, part of the if, skill of it. If you're skiing bumps, then uh, yeah, yeah. you can't unless they've been man-made. Yeah, it's a bit more freeform, isn't it? Yeah. But is one of your goals then, do I take this right, that is one of your goals within the turn these days is to equalise the pressure all the way through the turn? No, I don't think you can do that. As much as possible? I try not so to... So you don't have any what, waves that... I, I certainly try not to have any waves, but that tends to be, for me... That's when the pressure is late. That's when I didn't do enough earlier. Yeah, it hits you at the bottom of the turn. Right? Yeah, and yeah. then the ski says, "Well, whoa, whoa, what's up here?" Mm-hmm. And I don't. Like, then it starts asking questions of you. Um, I think, um, and of course, I get chatter and all that stuff. And uh, but I'm looking to not get that. Mm. Um, but if I do, I try not to let that affect the rhythm mm-hmm. yeah you just have to get rid of that term yeah yeah Step you off. say I didn't quite get that one right yeah. that's why the ski's yeah. chattering I, there must be something else then that I, I need to do somewhere else yeah. usually right. you've ended up a little bit too compressed so you're not using the front of the ski so well early enough mm-hmm. so the move out of a chatter turn tends to be uh, a fast forward movement yeah yeah, to, to get, get the ski shuttle. working yeah, earlier, exactly. right? But but then, uh, like, for me, I'm I'm at the level now where I can certainly stick a rhythm almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then it can be quite fun to not do that. Um, like have uh, like a wide corridor, and then you do a couple of boom, like a yeah. A little shimmy, some quick, like let's say you're in gates, it'd be like a verticality, mm-hmm. and then you go back into but without gaining speed so that you can come back to what you were doing before. So it's like this is the base, now I'm gonna do a little variation, and then I can, I can, I'm skillful enough that I can return to base mm-hmm. and keep going that way, or yeah. you know, you want to just on purpose change your fall line. So you do a little longer car, something mm. like that. That's absolutely fine. But for me, I like to, with my trainees anyway, I like to see. We, we will work on all of that because that's something we examine at times in Basie. But first, show me that you can sit in the background and just hold the rhythm for the yeah, yeah. here. Yeah. And I, no matter what skiing, like independent of templates, I think rhythm is, if you're showing snowplow turns, you should have a rhythm to your performance yeah if you all the way up to to long turns like carving down something steep and hard rhythm do you find some people don't have that ability to have a natural rhythm yeah I mean some people just aren't like that right absolutely but until you can show me that you can control when the turn happens, how oh. can I verify that you're in control? How can yeah, I yeah. trust that you're in control? You're in for the ride, right? Yeah. Hmm. And that, that's not as impressive as you controlling your rhythm. Hmm. If you make a mistake, you have that turn 
to get rid of that mistake. Yeah. And then the rhythm's got to go again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's, it's, to me, that's, that's impressive when people can do that. Mm. Um, and especially if it's, um, the surface is tricky and bumpy and that kind of thing. If you can still hold the rhythm. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Make it look smooth. Yeah. 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 Hmm. What's uh, this? I know that here last winter we had, um, there was an enormous amount of gap programs yeah. going on. The whole world descended. The whole world already. came here yeah. because it was open and, and obviously nothing in France was open and, and no one could go and do their, their gap yeah. year or whatever. And the Did North you, America yeah, ended yeah. up here as well. Did you get a corresponding bump in the number of trainees for your sort of expert program that you and John um, we, we had? We were busy last year, um, but that was quite... It takes a little bit of time before gappies reach us. Yeah, okay. So it's not a direct... No, it's at least a couple of years, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, so... Not immediately. I think what now there's um, uh, last year was very good for us. Uh, could have been like the last scramble before Brexit. Yeah. Uh, this year is uh, I think that uh, the numbers are down a bit so far, but it's still pretty early. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we'll see. But one thing that's been fun the last few years is because Tom and I has always we've always thought that it's a full cert program rather than a Basie 4 yeah, yeah. program yeah so well rounded so, high level skills yeah so last yeah. year we actually had we had a guy from Bulgaria oh yeah to a uh, boy and a girl from Denmark they probably want me to call them a man and a woman but um, mm-hmm. uh, and, might offend someone. and uh, <laughs> a couple from Australia as well that okay. are here training with us um and a guy going for his Canadian four. Um, right, so a real mixed bag. Yeah, so, uh, and a guy who was considering carrying on in the PSIA as well. So, um, that, um, so, yeah, so, and I think we got, seems like we have a couple from Australia coming this year as well. It's quite a big commitment. Yeah, yeah. It's a long way. <laughs> yeah, it's a long <laughs> way. It's quite, it's quite incredible. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to to this winter. Got always got always trying to. I'm quite analytical and self reflective with with my coaching these days. Anyway, uh, yeah. before I just uh, no, they have to do this, and then we we hit their forehead. <laughs> until the crack you will let, let, yeah. let the knowledge in somehow but uh, <laughs> uh, now we tried to yeah so I uh, got some new um, you know it's the same things but having new ideas of how to present like the words you use the analogies you use hmm. always try to expand that um, before well, before and during every season, but it's remarkable how often, you know, I'm always working on my own skiing, and I think, and you know, nothing ever works, but like you have little, you have little glimpses mm-hmm. of something, uh, and thinking about it in different ways can sometimes generate those glimpses, and uh, remarkable how often a new concept that I get 
works really well for someone. Mm. Um, so to keep doing that is always fun and relevant. Yeah. Be interesting to see what this winter looks like. Yeah, I'm getting a little bit nervous. I know there are Delta cases in Verbier now. I wonder when the fatigue is going to set in with the people who are just sick of it. You know, I like, think certainly we've got to go back to normal at some point. People are sick of it. Um, yeah, I mean, I I have no opinion on when that should be. Uh, it's, I think the good thing about too it's complicated yeah. for no, for a, a ski instructor to <laughs> to have a real opinion. You know, you see you see the outcome of policies. Yeah, but you only see the outcome of policies that are enacted, not the ones that weren't yeah and so you only have well it was only this bad yes but how bad would it have been if they'd done something else yeah you can't know that can no, you no so I, i'm quite yeah. careful in in uh, passing judgment on on those policies i think the good thing is is that the the swiss have set a precedent yeah there is there is no question yeah there's no question whatsoever that the that, that scheme will be open for business here in, in mm. Switzerland this Absolutely. year. It absolutely cannot be any other way because they'll just point to last year and say, well, it was more serious last year, so why yeah. aren't we open? Unless, um, unless there's a new variant. That, but So I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm less cautiously optimistic. I'm more, yeah, yeah. more truly optimistic. For I was not optimistic at all last year. I think what will be interesting is which... What happens when the other countries? I'll be surprised if France, Italy, Austria have yeah. another shutout season. I doubt that. I don't think that will be the case, and how that affects skier numbers here. Yeah. And the other big issue is, you know, the the the, the availability of international travel to people, and mm. you know whether all those people who missed their year skiing holiday last year, I think it's will a be huge back. demand. Yeah, huge demand. Like a. A wave waiting, a wave of skiers there, waiting. It might come. be. I my impression here, at least last year, was that on a sunny day, there were so many more locals, not just mm. like the seasonaires uh, and and like the locals to Verbia and and Le Chab, mm. but people from down the valley, yeah. probably working from home, saying, you know what, it's yeah. sunny, it's snowy. I'm going. I'm going. I'll do my work in the evening. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it was so busy on the slopes, mm. um, and it wasn't busier in town, mm. but on the hill it was. Normally, we we move over to Combatseline, uh, run over in Nondal above yeah. Sivier. Oh, okay, uh, the, the chairlift that goes yeah. up to the red runs there. Yeah, sort of in January, February, we spent quite a bit of time there um, with the trainees, and normally it's just. A win every time you go there and this mm. year was never a win no so busy you go there because it's not that steep and you can start doing longs on a bit more of a pitch but yeah it's yeah. not full yeah. on yet so you go there mainly to do longs mm. and it's so busy you could never do any longs <laughs> over there every time you just yeah it's yeah. true mm. so it's really busy on the slopes uh, but not busier in town mm. so it must have been locals from down the valley yeah don't know if they're still working from home because that could affect the crowds. Who knows? I don't know. It was a real, real. It was tough to say who these people were last year. 
would say yeah. I think we lost a bunch of skiers. You know, was that was that similar in in your area? We, the biggest issue we had, and I think the Port de Soleil attracts a different type of skier to the ones that come here. But that's the that's the thing. Last year, like we didn't have only the. We don't really have a Bogner crowd here, but uh, it was you saw people on like 15 year old skis mm -hmm. and uh, that kind of like cheap kit. Yeah. Normally people here have Gore-Tex. Yeah. But it's yeah. brand new Backpack. and it's, yeah. uh, it's this year's. Yes. It's not last year's. Yeah, it's true. Um, and we saw like normal people, not ultra wealthy people. Yeah. I suppose, I don't know what happens to them in the season though. You know, where do they go? Maybe they go to their more local resorts or something. I'm not sure. Or maybe they don't ski so much. Yeah. They, maybe they just had time because uh, yeah. they were working from home and it's said, possible. you know, I'll pop up today because I don't care. It's possible. Um, where we were, the biggest issue, I think, a lot of people come to the Port de Soleil who are, it's a bit more family friendly. Yeah. The slopes aren't so challenging maybe. And... Um, they are uh, for a lot of people the ones we missed out on last year were the lunch crowd yeah the people who come on a nice sunny day and come for a, a lunch right because a lot of the restaurants just closed yeah they just closed and they and they were like yeah. it's midweek we're just not open yeah. we're just not and maybe it was a bright sunny day they might open exceptionally or something like that but if it was bad weather they would just close like yeah. without warning yeah. so you'd be planning your day according to where you might yeah, it's really hard yeah. to deal with yeah. because you'd arrive somewhere with a client and you'd go, oh, sorry, they're shut. It makes you look like an idiot yeah. you don't know what's going on. But secondly, if you've got a group of kids and they need to warm up yeah. in a cold There's nowhere to nowhere warm to up get, this winter. Nowhere. This past it's winter. Hard. Really hard. Yeah, Tom and I would get on the bubble at Ruinette. Mm. We bring lunch anyway and normally there's a picnic room at Ruinette. Yeah. But we'd get in the bubble, eat yeah. on the way down to La Chale, yeah. pop up, buy a coffee, yeah. return back up just to warm up. Uh, yeah. yeah, at least you're out. It's cold, but at least you're out of the wind. Mm. Uh, you're not stood on snow. Yeah. Um, I spent a few lunches sitting in my car. Yeah, like, why wouldn't you? Sitting in the car with the heater on. You know, yeah. sorry, Greta, that I was had my car on, but I had to. There was no other way. No, because right? I mean, January is minus cold. sixteen. Yeah, yeah. it's cold. <laughs> God, yeah. can't feel my feet, and I've got to go up for another three yeah, hours. People, you know, it's not. Like yeah. I've gone quite good. You know, I have heated socks. I have, have a heated vest. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, I always bring a backpack with like ginger and like chopped up ginger yeah. and squeezed lemon tea water. Just yeah. to, sometimes a bit of cayenne pepper in there to get you going. Heat, heat the system up a little bit. Uh, so I'm going quite good at uh, staying warm. because yeah. we do do a bit of lap coaching. Yeah, here and there. Yeah, you definitely need the heated. And then if it's really cold, then I, I've cut out a little piece of like one of those sleeping mats that you go camping with. I cut out a piece of that that I stand on. Oh yeah. Then you're not on the snow. Uh, uh, it helps a bit. Wow. I mean, I didn't invent that. Race coaches have known about this for years. But, I know. Uh, this is news to me. <laughs> so I'm gonna. Then you roll that up, and it looks like you're skiing around with a yoga mat. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if I can stay a bit yeah, warmer. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Heat, but I might have to succumb to that this winter. I just I don't think I can do the do the race boots for winter anymore no like in January it's cold man yeah cold so I've got there is somewhere in the UK a set of heated boot heaters waiting for me oh okay and I need to make sure they get out here yeah for me the, the socks were better because like the, the 
boot uh, heaters. They right. sit on the sole, and that means you don't get the heat up onto the tip of your toes. Oh, okay. And that's where I've done some damage in the past. Oh, yeah. So with the sock, you can pull it a little bit. Mm. Uh, I definitely so had that. I got heat. yeah. It was this year. This year, I frostbit the toe a little bit. It oh, took ages to put. Yeah. You know, I did not my, do four off. Mine on um, the day I did my Euro test. Yeah. Like minus 22, 40k winds. Yeah. Were just stood there in like a foot of powder. And, yeah. Uh, ever since I've had cold feet. Yeah. Once they go cold, they yeah. never. No, out. I don't think so. No, that's like apparently that. the, the yeah. thing. Right. All right. Um, tell me a little bit more, just to plug your program for this mm. winter because uh, everyone gets a chance to plug themselves. All right. There's no. Yeah, so uh, Tom Waddington and myself run a full cert program um, for anyone basically who want to improve their skiing such that they get good enough for for uh, the full cert. And this year we've actually expanded it down a little bit, so a bit more experienced going for the ISIA okay. can come and train with us as well. Uh, and it's if like tip most people join the full program but you know we're flexible and then mm. it's eight weeks uh, spread out over the season with some breaks and uh, so you have your own practice time if you work for ski school mm-hmm. uh, you can go and work peak weeks uh, and it's been very successful uh, we have um, it's a lot of fun. like everyone's super motivated um uh, very good team spirit, uh, and um, we end up with a bunch of passes every year. I think um, on the Basie Four, I wouldn't be surprised if, like, the last three, four years, we've cranked out like half of them mm-hmm. through our program. Last year, we had eight out of ten. That's pretty good. Um, who passed? Mm. Yeah, that's uh, uh, it's not good for business, though. We, <laughs> we're not going to come back. So. Yeah, you got to lower the level uh, of your coaching to get to repeat. Yeah, no, yeah, so, yeah. and it's uh, you know we we do it properly. We mm. it's like a, a miniature. It's like as much of an athlete's program as you can get in the span of one winter. Yeah, spend a lot of time uh deconstructing funk uh, mm-hmm. for a few weeks and and trying to replace that with um, sound stuff instead of funk yeah and then we tilt the ground a little bit more and then we tilt it a bit more and eventually we tilt it enough to to be on the pitches where the where the exams take place mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, I love it it's such a cool job every day is every day is so like once Johanna knows like once I've said oh, I don't fancy it today oh yeah just in, once in, yeah once in a, well, however many years it is now that's pretty good yeah that's, that's, how, that's good. how much fun it is no yeah. matter if it's raining or whatever I've said that once hmm. yeah, I absolutely love it where would one go to uh, find information about this Tom Tom, right? So hit Tom <laughs> up on Facebook or Instagram. yeah. No, you can you can obviously contact me as well. Yeah, um, uh, and uh, we'll we'll get you uh, get you an idea of what it involves. Okay, I'll but, um. Uh, what I'll do is I'll add a link in onto the podcast. Oh, so that's that it very sends kind of people you. to the right place. Yeah, that's very kind of you. I've enjoyed this so much. Yeah, it, 
and Project, I told projected you projected productions you, as well oh yeah they can go and look at that as well because I've learned I learned a lot through that uh, scheme with those guys That's, yeah. uh, so if people want to check that out projectedproductions.com or projected productions on YouTube and Vimeo okay yeah it's nice to meet someone who thinks deeply about skiing thank you for welcoming me to your home my pleasure my pleasure I've really enjoyed this thank you so All much alright cool